0: He has committed to us the message of reconciliation we are therefore christ's ambassadors as though god were making his appeal through us we implore you on christ's behalf be reconciled to god god made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of god this is the gospel of our lord jesus christ thanks be to god Would you pray with me once again? Father, you tell us in your word that man does not live by bread alone, but from every, but by every word that proceeds from the, the mouth of God. Father, as we approach your word this morning, hearing it read and preached, as we approach the table of our Lord Jesus Christ this morning and partake of that visible word, we pray that you would feed your people, that you would nourish us, that you would sustain our souls. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I hope you had a, a good, enjoyable week of New Year's and New Year's Eve. Ours was was busy with family visiting and we took a, a mini little vacation with some good friends. But in the midst of all that, my wife still found time to unpack one of her new Christmas presents, a new set of pots and pans. It wasn't really a, technically a Christmas present, because according to her, the whole family was going to get to enjoy the pots and pans, so they weren't a Christmas present. And you'd think this was a small, you know, you unwrap the pots and pans and you put them in the cupboard. No. Uh, it was an hour, or several hour ordeal Of taking everything out of every cupboard and pantry in our house. I think two cupboards remained untouched. Everything else came out and it was one big pile in the kitchen and everything got put back now in different places. So the spices that were up here are now down in the Lazy Susan and my breakfast food is not there anymore, it's there. And for some reason the microwave and the coffee pot got switched. I don't know. But it was out with the old and in with the new and it required a complete recreation of our kitchen. The Apostle Paul likens the Christian life to a recreation. Out with the old, in with the new. And this isn't just a simple kind of plug and play. It's a total upheaval. Of who we are. A total renovation of our very being. Uh, this new year, this, as we head into this new year, I want to give you five insights from the Apostle Paul into what this new person that we are is like. Five insights from Second Corinthians 5 into this new person the believer becomes. Uh, First, I've already alluded to it, but I really want to highlight this. Uh, The change is so complete, so radical, the only way to really describe it is as a new creation. Uh, This isn't just simply swapping one set of beliefs for another, or one creed for another, or, or one holy book for another, or one set of behavior patterns for another. This is a total renovation of the inner being of who we are. I like what Paul does with, I know I'm a nerd. I like what he does with verb tenses here. It's kind of hard to pick up on in the English. But he says the old has gone, and that's just a simple past tense. It's happened, it's gone. The new has come. And the way he describes it is the new has come and is now here to stay. It's this permanent state of being new. But new what? It's radical. It's new creation. But what's new about being a part of God's new creation? I mean, right now, my knees still hurt. They've hurt forever. That's not necessarily new. I still can't carry a tune in a bucket or clap on beat. That hasn't changed yet. So what's new? Well, this image is first, I think, a corporate image. The way that NIV says it is great. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. This is a, a, a corporate image. Paul is saying that in Christ, God is recreating humanity. Humanity suffered tragic loss when Adam plunged the world into sin. We lost the glory that was supposed to be ours as image bearers. But God has stepped in and is now recreating humanity to accomplish and to achieve and to own what was originally intended for Adam and Eve. One of the characteristics of this new humanity is supposed to be a wonderful unity. We are all together in Christ, one holy people. That's not true of the old humanity. From the time sin entered, you see fragmentation and hostility and chaos. But in Christ, God is recreating humanity. It's this corporate image. And this new humanity has part of God's cosmic purpose of recreating the cosmos. Everything gets recreated, and as part of God's new creation, we get to be a part of that. So, first and foremost, this is a a corporate image, but it has very individual and personal meaning as well. It's not just that I'm a part of God's new creation, I am myself also a new creation. I have a new heart. God melted my heart of stone and gave me a fleshy, spiritual heart. And this new heart has, has new affections. Prior to being a, a new creation, I did not, nor could I, love God properly. But now, having been recreated, my heart is bent towards God. And I can love Him with these new affections that God has given And I have a new loyalty. No longer is my primary loyalty to Caesar or to Rome or to America or to any other earthly kingdom or earthly thing. My primary loyalty is to Christ, the Lord, and His kingdom. New heart. New loyalty. New new affections. And a new identity. All the things that once defined me now becomes secondary I, I love sports love baseball that's still true of me as a new creation but it doesn't define me I'm a husband and a father still true of me but at my core that doesn't define me who I am is now defined by my relationship with Christ I am in Christ A new creation, the Son of God. In Him, I become a child of God. My identity is new. Now, it's true that the newness of who we are isn't fully revealed yet. We long for the time where the new creation is fully realized But that's not Paul's point here. Paul isn't focusing on what's not yet true. Paul is focusing on what is already true. And it is very true, though sometimes it does not feel like it, right? It is very true that we are new creations. Not just awaiting for it, we are new creations. And it changes who we are. It's a radical change. It also changes how we perceive the world and, in particular, how we perceive others. That's the second insight into this newness. As part of God's new creation, we gain a new perspective on others. If you have your Bible open to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that's how verse 16 starts. So, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We have a new perspective. Uh, this past Monday, we took, as I mentioned, a, a mini vacation with some good friends and went up to Indianapolis. Woohoo! And uh, uh, but we went to a, a Pacers game. I was in charge of buying the tickets, and I am an utter cheapskate. So we bought the cheapest tickets I could find. We were four rows from the top. That is a new perspective. (laughs) And it's disorienting. I like heights, but you feel like you have to hold on to something when you're that high up. It's a new disorienting perspective. And you know what? Sometimes the Christian life, this new creation that we are, this new perspective that we are given can be, frankly, quite disorienting because up is down and down is up. First is last. The meek inherit the kingdom of God. The poor are rich. It can be disorienting. And what you see as you read through the book of 1st and 2nd Corinthians is that the church in Corinth was struggling with this new perspective. Some opponents of the Apostle Paul had, had come in and were saying things like, you know what, you can have the Christian experience without suffering. And the Christian experience is all about spiritual experiences and ecstasy and not the rigor and the grind. And they actually called into question the Apostle Paul and said, you know what, he must not be that great of an apostle because he suffers and he has to work with his hands. If he was really a, a good orator and a good teacher, he wouldn't have to do that. And he's not rich and he's not, well, powerful appearing He's kind of weak and unimpressive in person. They were using that old, worldly perspective to evaluate Paul. And they were kind of wooing the church so that the church was questioning Paul's authority. And Paul, in a kind of very honest way, almost says, I get it. Because I used to evaluate things that way too. A matter of fact, Paul says, That was my perspective on Christ at one time. It says we once regarded Christ in this way. From this worldly point of view. And and I looked at Christ and I thought, there's a, a messianic pretender. Someone pretending to be the Messiah. Committing blasphemy, claiming to do only things that God can do. From a worldly perspective, what he got on the cross is what he deserved. He was dying for his crimes. Others would have that same kind of worldly perspective, and to them, Christ was an anti Rome rebel, a revolutionary, an upstart. And he died as a criminal. Others, maybe more sympathetic to Christ, still had a worldly point of view and saw a a good teacher who kind of got caught up in the machinery of the powers that be and was crushed. Paul says, we used to regard Christ that way. But now that we are new creations, we understand that his dying on the cross was not for his sins. He died instead for us. In our sins. We don't regard Christ from a worldly perspective anymore. Nor do we regard others. That change in perspective changes how we view others. We struggle, like Corinth did, with that new perspective sometimes, don't we? the old worldly perspective was so entrenched in us that it's hard to break free of that. It still toys with us and sometimes we think when it comes to the church, big, successful, must be blessed. That we think wealth must be equated with God's blessing. We think those who are gifted leaders in the community must be gifted leaders in the church as well. That's a a worldly perspective. It it may be true, but not necessarily. God has chosen often to use the weak, the poor, the not well-spoken, the frail, the disenfranchised to do amazing things. At a personal level, I think sometimes we all have gut impressions or gut feelings about people. Sometimes it's women's intuition or just, you know, i got this feeling about this person. I think sometimes, even when those impressions are often right, This new birth that we have experienced calls us to move beyond that. To give people not just a chance, but a second chance and a third chance. To move beyond worldly perspective. To understand that as part of God's new creation, we can see past that and we can see what God can and has done in people bringing them into His new creation as well. This new creation that we are part of changes who we are and how we view others. It also changes, and this is the third insight, it changes the orbit of our lives. It changes the orbit of our lives. We have a, a new center of life now. When Lynn first told me, that she was pregnant the first time and we were gonna have a child one of my first words were we're gonna add this child to our life right it's not gonna redefine who we are we're not gonna center our world on this child those were some of the stupidest words I've ever uttered (laughs) it changes everything schedules, priorities, it all got rearranged. But you know what? Sometimes we try to do with Christ what I was trying to do with Caleb. We try to add Christ to us and kind of circle him around us in our orbit around ourself. That doesn't work. That's not a part of what it means to be the new creation. The new creation means we have moved out of orbit around Self. And Christ is now the center of our life and of our being. Paul says almost exactly that in the verse immediately preceding that which was read. In verse 15 he says, And he, Christ, died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Before we were ushered into this new creation, before God did this renovating work in our lives, we were slaves to self. We lived under the mastery, the tyranny of self, painfully, inwardly focused, habitually self centered and selfish. Living only for our own desires, our own fame, glory, pleasure, lusts, fill in the blank. But now as part of God's new creation, we've been freed from the tyrannical reign of self. And I don't mean we've just been freed to to live for others. No, we've been freed to live for Christ the Lord of the universe. Freed to live for His glory, His renown. Freed to live according to His agenda for my life, for the church, for the world. Freed to live according to His way. His way of love. His way of service. His way of the cross. We have a new center of life and it's not us praise be to God it's Christ he died so that we could live for him as we were designed to the fourth thing that I hope we notice from this passage about the new person that we are this newness it's from God This newness is is from God. That sounds so, well, of of course. It's not, oh, so of course, otherwise Paul wouldn't have said it. Paul said it because he wanted us to know that. He says in verse 18, all of this is from God. In other words, it's a miracle. It's not just an act of our will. Scripture is explicit of that. This new birth is not the act of a human will, not the act of a father who decides it's from God. It's a miracle. I think that's important to highlight because we live in a self-help culture where if you want to be it, just work hard and you can be it. You can do it. At this time of the year, we're all making resolutions, and we work hard to master our wills and stay on the diet, keep with the exercise, cut down on the amount of TV, whatever. It's easy to fall into the trap of thinking, this is just another aspect of self-improvement, and it's not. Unfortunately, sometimes that kind of self-help, therapeutic kind of mentality creeps into the church. There was a revival preacher in the 19th century who led massive revivals. His name was Charles Finney. Quite honestly, I think he did more to damage the church than he did to help it. He taught that revival, mass conversions, were anything but a miracle. It was the result of a scientific process of using certain measures. He called them new measures. Techniques. And if you employed the techniques correctly and, more, and persistently enough, you could create a revival. You could create this work of God. No. Revival, conversion, new birth... It is the gift of God. It is a miracle. It is, according to Paul, it's all from God. And the problem is, when self-help creeps into our theology, prayer gets pushed out. If it depends on me, and just on my willpower, then why pray for it? Why ask God for it? But when we understand it is a miracle, it's from God, we pray, God give it, God grant it, God do it, God work it out in our lives. And we pray with passion and persistency. That's the fourth thing, this newness, it's from God. And finally, the fifth insight, this newness, it's in Christ There's no vague God talk in Paul's letters. It's in Christ that we are new creations. It's in Christ that God is reconciling the world to Himself. There's there's no vague God talk. It's explicitly focused on what God is doing in Christ. This week as I typed those words, I was reminded of a sermon that Bob preached at Connection back in 2004. That's before I was here. I know about this sermon because it's one of the sermons the church sent to me to get a feel for the church. I listened to it again this week, and I thought... What was it I saw about this? No, uh, uh, I listened to it again this week. The sermon title was "Oh, I have it right here." Chafing with the God thing in Christianity. I, I listened to it again, and I remembered what it felt like to be listening to it for the first time in my office in Pennsylvania. And I cried because it was so beautifully explicit about Christ. And I was so thirsty for that. I wish every church was explicit, as explicit, about Christ. Unfortunately, we're not always. I was so thirsty for it. Not just Christ, the person that's going to help you have a better marriage. Not just Christ, the person that's going to help you get your finances in order. Christ, the ultimate revelation of God in flesh. Christ, the only hope of reconciliation for a lost, sinful, dying world. The Apostle Paul is so explicit God is reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Just as Christ was God's agent of creation, he is his agent of recreation. All the newness that God is giving, he gives in and through Jesus Christ, and no other way. Because it's in Christ that God is making peace with humanity. It's in Christ that the problem of sin is dealt with because Christ became sin for us. He who knew no sin took on the sin of the world to satisfy the righteous wrath of God and make a way of peace and reconciliation for us. It's only in Christ that we can be these new creations that Paul speaks of. This week, this year, as you make resolutions, and let's be honest, most of those resolutions are going to be broken by the end of the week, right? As you make resolutions, choose to focus not on the new you who you think you can become through a diet or exercise. Instead, Focus on the you that God is creating as a part of his new creation, the new you in Christ. Focus on that, the reality of that, and choose to live that reality out. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so grateful that your power intervenes where our wills and our strength come up so, so short, we could not, if it was in our own striving, we could not please You. We could not be the new creations that You have called us to be. So in Christ, You did it for us. You satisfied the law's demands. You reconciled us to Yourself. And You recreated us. Father, we are grateful. We pray that those gospel truths would not just be things we think about on Sunday mornings, but would be the truth that govern our lives. That would be the air that we breathe, the beat that we march to. Father, we pray that we would live as these new creations that we are. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen.